Get ready to hear a warts and all dive into what it takes to grow a startup right now, including some amazing advice on making organic social drive you sales. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. So thank you very much for tuning in. Now, you wait years for an episode on this podcast about chocolate and then two come along at once. Now, you might think this is an error in scheduling on my part. You might be wondering, why on earth has Chloe given us two chocolate retailers at the same time? It's not an error. Um, I find it fascinating that both our chocolate sellers are motivated by the same need to do good for the planet and the supply chain, but are exploring such totally different approaches to doing it. In the, the TOAC episode, we're talking luxury and a whole crazy um you know, different marketing methods to achieve it all. And then in today's episode, we are exploring the kind of, I guess, the warts and all elements of building a startup, the challenges when you're doing the manufacturing yourself, when you want to do the right thing in the supply chain. So your costs are higher than many of your competitors. And we're going to talk about why you might want to run a Kickstarter and the recent one my guest has done. And he is a master of driving sales with organic social. So we will be talking about that. And he's got some great tips on that for you too. So there's a lot coming up. Whether you are also a small startup or whether you are a much bigger business, you are going to get something from this episode, I promise you. Before we meet our guest, please do check out our sponsors. Getting an online business off the ground is not easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Clavio is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up a free Clavio account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes, thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Frank Laws is the director and owner of Frankly Delicious, artisan chocolate makers on a mission to change the world with chocolate. Founded in 2018, relaunched in 2020, they sell on Shopify, run Kickstarters and last year hit £50,000 in sales. Hello, Frank. Hi, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, I've been I've been mesmerised by your posts of the sharing your story and what you're up to on LinkedIn. And I was like, I need this man on my podcast. So thank you very much for saying yes. Oh, it's a pleasure. I, I enjoy talking about all things chocolate and business. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> so it's like a match made in heaven. Um, so so Frank, you mentioned you know that you you enjoy talking about e-commerce and business. So how did you get into this world of e-commerce? Um, so I started my business, as you said, in 2018 at, while I was at university, and I originally was a chocolatier, so I was selling originally actually to my university cafe and bar. I started out as like a contract baker, 
Um, and I was like, how can I turn this into a, a proper business? And baked goods don't travel well. So it's really about finding something that I wanted to make that kind of withstood being sent out. Um, and at the time, it was individual chocolates, so boxes of chocolate bonbons. So that's really where the journey started. So I spent 2018, 2019 making box chocolates, um, sending them specifically really to local businesses in and around um, my local area in Yorkshire. And then it was in 2020, I started making chocolate bars myself from scratch. So we actually make the chocolate. And it's also a lot easier to send a bar of chocolate because they're a lot thinner. Yeah, they're kind of post-box friendly, aren't they, bars of chocolate? Exactly. So the the relaunch in 2020 was kind of the shift from bonbons to actually making the chocolate yourself. And I know I, said, I mentioned in the intro that you are chocolate makers on a mission to change the world. And that's a fundamental part, hasn't it, going back to the raw ingredients? Yeah, so it all started, I can set the scene exactly because I remember it like it was yesterday. It was uh, Boxing Day 2019. I was watching a documentary on Netflix as recommended by a friend who was into sustainability. She was studying sustainability at university. Um, and it's called Rotten on Netflix, and it was in the second season, and it's called Bitter Chocolate. And it has a deep dive into how the cocoa supply chain works, um, where chocolate actually starts its life. And for most of the world, or 60% of the world's cocoa, all comes from West Africa, uh, which is specifically Ivory Coast and Ghana. And after watching this documentary and doing research, um, basically discovering that the supply chain, how things are brought, how things operate, are really unethical, basically. Um, and it's the exploitation of cocoa farmers by big faceless companies who buy cocoa years in advance on advanced um, contracts. And then cocoa farmers basically have to fulfill them. And they earn pennies, really. Um, not enough, really, to survive on, which leads to kind of our main mission um, because these cocoa farmers don't earn much, they often have to rely on children like their families or like their uncles, children or something like that to help them harvest. And currently there's over one and a half million children working on cocoa farms illegally. And when I kind of, yeah, when I really did the deep dive, spoke to more people in the industry, kind of go, oh, this is actually a problem. It's not something that can like be skimmed over. I had this literal moment between Christmas and New Year's like, how can I continue to sell what I was making when there is a very high probability that there's probably child labor in my cocoa supply chain, even though the company who I was buying from say that it was all fine and dandy, but the specific company who I was buying from, when you read the fine print, they say they don't use forced child labor or trafficked child labor, which is then another issue within the child labor world of people being brought and sold and basically abducted to work on cocoa farms and it's in other industries as well across the world. So when I did all of this, I was like, oh my, I can either wait for the big companies to make a change, which they haven't, and they will probably never do, or be the change in the world which I want to see, which meant sourcing my own cocoa from fully traceable um, supply chains, trying to find the right supplier, because we're too small to buy directly from cocoa farmers right now. Um, so we partner with a great company in Belgium called Silver Cacao, who source all their cocoa, they work with the farmers, they do all the hard work that you would expect, making sure there's no child labour, farmers earn a living wage, they're upskilled so that they can grow better cocoa and the farmers can demand a higher price. Because as for all food ingredients, the better quality your base ingredients, the better quality the final product's going to be. And that's where we are today, is selling just the chocolate at the moment. We don't sell any kind of confectionery right now. 
um, that we all make ourselves. Excellent. And I have to say, I... I applaud you for watching that documentary in the first place because I think I think it takes a bit of guts when your your baby, your business, is in a specific area to kind of lift the lid on, oh no, maybe I'm doing something bad. You know, it'd be very easy just to ignore it and carry on regardless. Um so so kudos to you on that and for for shifting things around so quickly. And I think what you've outlined is is how the the devil is in the detail with these things and how it takes more time, more effort, more money often to do the right thing. Yeah, and you're completely right. And I understand in theory why these big companies take a long time. You can't move companies this big instantly because there is so much ingrained. The key thing that I was focused around, still am, is that it won't happen overnight, but they could pay more money for the coca they're buying. Um, they would have to go through certain government bodies, as I discovered. In Ghana, the cocoa price is set by the government, so they'd have to work with them. But you can pay a premium on top of that, so you could, in theory, pay more very quickly. And it's been a public issue since the beginning of 2001, where there was a big documentary exposing child labour. And there was a um, self... What's the word here? I'm going to get all confused now. But there was a, an agreement that the big companies um, admit, agreed to sign non-contractually called the Enkel-Harkine Agreement, which was set by two American governors in 2005, where they the big chocolate company said they would, on their own, stop using child labor. And we're in 2022, and all of the big names that you know and love still have child labor in their cocoa supply chains. And that was my big gripe was like, you've got billions of dollars, billions of pounds, and yet it's exactly the same as it was 20 years ago. And if it's been like this for 20 years, it's been like this since the beginning of chocolate. So let's get into what you're what you're doing at Frankly Delicious and, and how you're helping to change change the story. I'm sure we'll come into it as well. So you mentioned you're in Yorkshire in the UK. Are you selling just the UK or wider than that at the moment? Yeah, so we're in Leeds. We At the moment, we work from home, which has its own challenges. And we live basically in Leeds city centre, um, great place to live and be. And no, we sell not fully internationally, but we sell to the EU, which has definitely got harder since Brexit. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I'm sure you've had other guests talk about that, and I won't go into it. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's just, just avoid the Brexit topic. <laughs> yeah, um, but our second biggest market is America. Um, so North America and Canada. And when we're busy, they can take up to half of our kind of e-commerce orders via our website. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and have you have you got a dollar's site to service them or are you kind of trading on the awesomeness of being British and sticking with the pound? Um, we do enable they can if they want to buy in dollars there. And I think I have to object because we also sell to um, Australia and that part of the world, so New Zealand and all of that. So it is region specific. Oh, but that's excellent. Getting um getting fifty percent of your sales from over from just the the US Canada area already, because obviously they're they're huge markets compared to the, the size of the UK market. Yeah. And you say we, so who's the team at the moment? So there are just two of us. There is me and my boyfriend. We both work in the business. Um, so I started the business in twenty eighteen. And then he came and joined the business in April 2021. Um, so he's been working with me for just over a year now. Um, and he has a background in food production. That's what he did beforehand. 
And so it was very convenient that he kind of didn't have to be completely retrained. And there were some things which he came and said, like, nope, this is how you should do this. This is how you write a proper ingredients list and recipe and all of like the insider terms that a food factory would use. So I gained some skills and knowledge from him and I didn't even have to work there. <laughs> Excellent move. Well done. Um, and you're doing everything in-house, aren't you, From apart from growing the cocoa? At the moment, which has its perks and its disadvantages, I can definitely tell you that. But yeah, so we get the raw cocoa, well, we get the fermented cocoa, it's not raw, and then we roast it and then we process it all the way through to the final chocolate bar, which we then hand temper. Um, we package ourselves, we send everything out ourselves, um, we do most of our marketing. I'm currently speaking to people to try and get some of that off my back because I'm not skilled at marketing as a professional, um, I have just learned and taught myself to do what I do at the moment. Well, I guess, it, you know, you go through those difficult stages in any business where you have to try and work out what you should be doing yourself and what you should be giving up, which is this weird mix of what you enjoy, what you're good at and what the business shouldn't outsource. And I suspect outsourcing production would be a bad idea for you. But but outsourcing the marketing isn't going to be an easy job either because it's got to get that story and that brand resonance across, which from what I've seen, seen you posting, you do so well. Yeah, you're right. I don't think at this stage we will ever outsource um, the production because that is what we have built the business around. And I also tie in a lot of education into that. That's kind of one of my pillars of content. I would love to delegate a lot more stuff and all of all of the things which business people tell you to do, delegate, outsource. But my one lack of resource right now is finances. And it's not like I can take a whim on marketing. I can't work with an agency or something for a few months and just kind of knock it off as something. There just simply at the moment isn't the money in the bank to do that. And talking money in the bank, you've just done a big crowdfunding raise, haven't you, to kind of to generate the cash to solve some of the cash constraints of the future? Yeah, so we have um, just successfully raised... Um, I'm just waiting to get paid from it actually in a couple of days. So I will, uh, we've raised basically £20,000 on Kickstarter, um, part of our current audience, some new audiences, and then also the platform itself also promotes you as well. And what we will be doing is buying machinery, which will allow us to make more chocolate at once, which will solve some of our current bottlenecks. So we can only make a very relative small amount of chocolate and make it into the chocolate bars at an even slower rate. Um, so at the moment, in uh, like in a batch, we can make about 30 chocolate bars, which is completely by hand. So you have to hand temper, which takes its time. But we will then be having machinery um, where we have an automatic tempering machine, which is basically a glorious waterfall of chocolate that continuously has pouring chocolate. You press a few buttons, it does all the science, and we'll be able to make 150 chocolate bars in a batch rather than 30. And with the overall line of machinery we're buying, we'll basically be able to triple our current production um, capacity, which means we'll have more chocolate on the shelves and we'll be able to fulfill bigger orders. Yeah, which just frees you up so much, doesn't it? If you've, you've got that flexibility in there. So I guess the, the obvious question to ask here is, why didn't you go to the bank for a loan or chuck it on a credit card? Why did you go for the Kickstarter option? Um, the credit card is I've already got quite a lot on there already, <laughs> <laughs> um, especially when I started the business in 2018. I was fresh out of uni. 
didn't know really what I was doing. Kind of, I put my big purchases on there and I'm still trying to pay some of those off. Um, the story of every startup, that is. Yes, yeah. I kind of umdenard about the bank. And honestly, it's a bit of nervousness that was holding me back. Just like speaking to someone about money, them potentially putting me under the magnifying glass. And I know there's not but them discovering a hidden flaw, which I haven't thought about. Um, and then we, we decided with a Kickstarter is because this is actually my second one. Um, so I did a Kickstarter at the middle of 2020. So just over two or about two years ago to help me back then purchase some machinery and stock to get me started really on making chocolate. So I had the experience um, and I knew how good it could be. And when I was planning the Kickstarter at the beginning of 2022, this one, I was really confident. I was like, yeah, we'll get there. It'll be great. And then the further on we got in the year, the kind of, oh, oh my, started to happen. There was the global kind of disruption with the war in Ukraine and then the current cost of living crisis in the UK um, all happened just as I was about to press the launch button. Um, and now we have successfully raised the money, but during and just before it was a question of do we hold off? Do we wait a bit? And the answer was no, because we need this stuff specifically for Christmas, because Christmas starts now for us as a chocolate business. Um, and I need to buy the machinery still and a lot of it's custom made. So it was just a decision of credit card, no, bank, no, let's do another Kickstarter. Let's just try and get us to where we want to be right now. And then next year, in a two years time, we I can really sit down and go, okay, where do I see the business in five years, 10 years? I know where I want to be. But then it's like, I can put it on paper, I can go to a bank, I can find an investor or business partner or something like that. Dragon's Den, probably not Dragon's Den, but something along those kind of lines. Mm -hmm. Once I just have all the current stress taken off my back. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? You can't solve all the problems at once. And, um, you know, and the fact that rather than taking on another loan of some description, you've kind of, your loan is in chocolate. So all of us who took part in the crowdfunder, we are, we're waiting on our chocolate bars, which given we've given you the ability to make considerably more chocolate in one go is it's a lot less stressful than there being a monthly fee coming out the bank that you've got to service every every month isn't it yeah and that's exactly why we did the kickstarter and i know from doing it how to actually budget the last one was a bit hit and miss with the budgeting this one it factored in all the ingredients all of that stuff and you're right because we are an established business you know you're going to get our product um, because people already do right now so there wasn't any risk in backing our Kickstarter, basically. And previously, when I've had people on who've talked about crowdfunding in all its various guises, for them, one of the big benefits of it has been the community aspect and the finding new customers aspect. Is that Was that an element that you factored into it or is it just a nice bonus? At the moment, it is a nice bonus. Um, so from the original Kickstarter in 2020, we did get some new customers and we still have orders from them today. Um, so I'm anticipating that will happen again for this one. So there'll be new people who would have discovered us um, who might not have wanted to purchase from us or just might not have been aware of us. So that is definitely a thing. Excellent. And something I have to ask you about is your a lot of your sales come from organic social media. So TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn even. So um have you got any tips for anyone? Because, you know, I often say to people, organic social media, really, really hard way to start a business, really hard to get visibility. So how have you, how have you made it work for you? 
Um, you're right. It is a great way to generate income and it works amazingly when it does. Um, and I'll be really honest at the moment, I'm literally hitting my head against a wall going, it's not working. And as I have built most of my business off that, it is really biting me in the butt. But I would say you have to, it's going to sound like I'm one of these coaches, you have to be consistent. And I would say, consider it as you're, you were just saying, building a community and just engaging and educating. Um, a lot of the content I produce right now is educational. So anything from how chocolate is actually made, because not many people know the ins and outs, how it's made, where it comes from, the ingredients that go into it, the, um, the bigger issues. So I talk about child labor. Cadbury set themselves up amazingly for that um, <laughs> to be spoken about. There was a documentary earlier on in the year on Channel 4, deep dive into Cadbury's and kind of their issues. So there's a lot of information which you can just tell people about, which they might not be aware of. And it is video content at the moment. Some people might not like videos, but it's just the next kind of pivot that we had to make. 10 years ago, no one was going to be expecting to post pictures on Instagram. And now it's the everyday. So now we all have to be in front of our phone cameras, basically. And what I'll say is you will get people sometimes with uh, spiteful comments, but you ignore them. And what I'll say is no one cares about you as much as you do. So you'll post this video and you'll worry about it for days and days and days. Someone will watch it, literally swipe up to the next TikTok and you'll be gone from their mind, potentially. Hopefully they might check you out, but everyone's in their own head and just get out of your head and post something. Something which I find social media is not my natural playground, especially when it comes to video and image. Is anyone who follows me on any platform that ought to have video and image on it will know. Um, I find it very energy sapping creating content for social. Do you find the same thing? Do you think maybe one of the reasons it's not going so great for you at the moment is because the energy sappingness of the Kickstarter program? And actually, yeah. when you when you come back from that, it'll probably start working again. Because I, I think it's very hard to fake energy in a TikTok video. So it is very draining. Um, and once you start to make content yourself at a volume, you realize why social media managers are paid what they are. They're not just scrolling on their phone, liking a tweet and commenting. If they're doing their job properly, it's demanding. And when you don't have the energy, sometimes you, you show that. And I've done like videos of me like, oh my God, I'm really suffering today. And I've put videos and posts of like, stuff is really hard right now, guys. And that stuff sometimes resonates more because you're being personal and authentic. And with like the video content, annoyingly, the less effort you put into the video, they're the ones that go off. They're the ones that get the traction. Like my very first quote unquote viral TikTok, which was at the beginning of 2021, was a video that I just randomly filmed at Valentine's Day, me tapping out some chocolates, some chocolate hearts that I made, put over like a trending sound and one of them didn't come out. Like it didn't come out of the mold. So I had to tap it a few more times, put on a trending sound, Two weeks later, a million views. <laughs> e-commerce Master Plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 
billion dollars by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omnichannel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationship with your customers and make it easy for consumers to make repeat purchases, bringing you predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. You can get started today with the subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash masterplan. At the start of this episode, I mentioned Klaviyo. Well, here's an app that integrates with Klaviyo to level up your e-commerce store. Hear from Alexandria Collins from Princess Polly Boutique on how Gorgeous did just that for her. I am Alexandria Collins, Director of Customer Experience for Princess Polly. I'm focused on our strategy and innovation in the CX department here at Princess Polly. I have a quote and I always tell our CX leaders that customer experience is the heart of an organization and we pump the blood and deliver the oxygen to the vital organs in the business to help them thrive and grow stronger. The gorgeous platform allows our agents a seamless place to just do it all. We are really there for the customer every step of the way if they want. Our customers expect quality and efficiency where they are. So the real question is, how do you get quality and efficiency across every single platform? And then once you have it, how do you maintain it? And I believe that with the Gorgeous platform, we can do that. If you're interested in learning more about Gorgeous, you can go to gorgeous.com and start a free trial today. It's time for the Top Tips Round. Okay, uh, Frank, you've just given us some amazing advice about TikTok. Go wrong. That's what we're saying is go wrong in your videos and it'll work so much better than if everything goes right. You're now going to give us some more top tips because we are now into our top tips section, uh, which gives all of us some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. So Frank, are you ready for these? Absolutely. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I've got two. Um, because these are the two that I always go back to. And that's Jelly Effect by Andy Bounds and Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Well, I've not come across um, Jelly Effect. What's that one about? Um, So it's basically stop flinging jelly at your customers, stuff that they don't want to hear about. You have to be really focused. Um, And it's written by a great British guy. It's always nice to read a guy written who is in the country living because sometimes the American books can be a bit colloquial, but he's a great talker, a great speaker. I've watched some of his videos as well, but it's like a lot of them. It's just focusing on your story and how to really do that. Excellent. Okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Um, As we've just spoken about, it is TikTok and now Instagram's version reels. Um, It is now becoming more, saturated but it is still very easy to get noticed on these making video content excellent and yeah you shared an awful lot of advice on that already so i won't press you any further (laughs) uh the tool top tip maybe a collaboration tool a social media plugin a phone app or just a way of working is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day 
there's one that I am teaching myself how to better and really putting some time and effort into it. And that's email marketing flows. So I'm doing a lot of work with a team on how to do better email marketing. And it's setting up emails that just send off automatically. And you press and so you press it once you forget it, and it's done forever. And what platform are you using to do that on? At the moment, I'm using Clavio. As so many do. I saw the stats um, recently of the Shopify app downloads and something like 80% of Shopify stores have Clavio installed, which is mind-blowing for that kind of market dominance. Um, I don't know if you've ever used it, but they li- they link behind the scenes very well together. And I think that's why. So you can put in your Shopify catalog very easily to Clavio. Yeah, it's a super deep integration, isn't it? And wh- which of the automations you're most excited about there? Um, at the moment, it's the kind of what is going to be called like the getting to know you sequence. So when you first sign up to our newsletter, I've written four emails that aren't salesy, that just kind of, it's a bit of a hi, hello, I'm Frank, this is the business. So it's a very easy, gentle introduction that people know they're getting it. Because yeah, I guess I guess with your business, it's very important to be kind of selling people on the story so they understand why they're buying the chocolate. Exactly. Excellent. And a, a, what I would call a welcome sequence, the getting to know you sequence is exactly the right place to be doing that. Uh, so I, I heartily approve, Frank. Um, okay. The last one, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Building a community of repeat customers, and I mean a community, as someone who you will engage with backwards and forwards. So when you're on social media's emails, you are engaging with them. You're not just posting an Instagram post and going away from your phone. It's adding little touches as well. So personalized notes to kind of repeat orders. Um, so if someone buys like a few times from us, it's, hi, Chloe, thank you so much for all of your um, orders. We really appreciate your continued customs, stuff like that. And then also, you don't need a million followers. You just need a small handful of dedicated, loyal customers who buy from you enough to make you viable. So don't focus on having a million followers. Just focus on the people who know and like you right now. Yeah, definitely. And in a year like this one, they are your your lifeline. They really are. You've got to focus on the core. Yeah. Definitely agree with you there, Frank. Um, Right. Before we say goodbye, could you let the listeners who are going, I need some of your chocolate um, or alternatively, I need to see what you're up to on TikTok, uh, know where they can find you on the web and social media, please? Yes. So our website is frankly-delicious.com or you can just put in frankly delicious into Google. Um, And then we're on TikTok and Instagram at frankly.delicious. And then if you ever want some actual tips of chocolate i'm also on linkedin or you can just send me a message on any of the platforms excellent thank you for all that frank and thank you so much for being on the podcast today it has been really lovely having such an honest and open discussion about the joys and the, and the lows <laughs> of, uh, of running an early stage business so thank you for being so open with us all thank you so much for having me today it's been a real pleasure Fascinating to chat to Frank there. Although all those angles of the challenge of a startup, but then the the cool things you can do too around getting um, you know crowdfunding and Kickstarters to help you easily get over those 
big changes in the business. You know, the Kickstarter he's just run raised just just £20,000, which is not huge in Kickstarter terms, but enables them to buy that additional equipment that's going to change their... Um, I was going to say construction or manufacturing. That's not right, is it? But anyway, construction or manufacturing run from 30 bars to 150 bars at a time. And that is a massive shift for any business to to go between those. And it's going to make a big difference to their um, performance this coming Christmas. Plus loads of, I, I found that the whole, the story and the pivot of the business shifting to really focus in on the important things and, you know, not burying his head in the sand about what, chocolate industry really is, is really fascinating. And if you are looking to do more on organic social and to find ways of leveraging that, do go and follow Frank and the business on those various platforms. So TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, where he's most active and see what he's, what he's sharing. Cause I reckon he's, he's one of the only retailers I know who is making LinkedIn work for him in terms of sales. And he does some great content on there too, obviously, cause he's managing to drive sales from it. Now, to get your hands on all the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our new special director episode links that I am far more excited about than anybody else is by putting ECMP, so short for ecommercemasterplan.info forward slash whatever the episode number is into the URL bar and you'll be redirected straight to the correct episode page. So that's your fast track to all the information about this episode. And once you get to the website, make sure you sign up to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you like this episode, then do check out our recent other chocolate focused episode with um, Toac, which is a totally different angle on sustainable chocolate at a totally different price point too, because there's lots of interesting things in that. And if you are in that startup space and you want more startup stories, then if you go to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash startup, you will find a list of all of our startup episodes. So loads of great advice there if you're in that startup space. Thank you all for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new episode every week to help you get inspired to succeed and thrive with your business, including progressing along that path to net zero and making your business more sustainable. So if you know someone this show can help, please do tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and do not forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan.